Don't call it a comb back. I'll have hair for years. Wake up in the morning feeling like P. Diddy. Hey, whatever, my glasses. I'm out the door. I'm gonna hit this city. Let's Before go. I leave, brush my teeth with a bottle of Jack. Cause when I leave for the night, I ain't coming back. I'm talking. Live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas studios. The little chick she could do in one of those big envelopes and not a box. Because those... <laughs> This is the press box. Those big envelopes, you know, you can fit a lot in those big envelopes, like the puffy ones, and then they can expand. If you throw a few chicks in there, they'd be okay, probably. With Grady and Bischoff. Stop trying to save money shipping your chickens <laughs> and on ESPN Las Vegas. Availability at 8:30 Pacific. We'll might know who the goalie is. Big game tonight. Game six in Montreal. The first bite. Here's Jared. Who's on the horizon? <laughs> on the horizon oh man how much blame does pete DeBoer deserve for the golden knights offensive struggles oh he's got to be blamed somewhat right you gotta he's the coach he's the head coach i mean you know they're all pros and they're not they're not delivering for him tyler but i think you know he he's he's not like without blame he's the coach so obviously like mark stone needs to play better mark stone has been a, a disaster for his standards in this series you need like where's alex tuck to you know skate through the neutral zone and create a high danger chance just all by himself like we've seen him do where's the william carlson line to create more offensive chances right like riley smith don't shoot it to the opposite side when you've got a wide open net like the players need to do better but here's the difference between this year and last year, because this is this is not the first time it's happened. The Golden Knights last year in the playoffs ran into some offensive problems uh, against Vancouver. They got through that series, but also when they lost in five to Dallas in the Western Conference Final. The difference is this year, they're not creating as much as we're used to seeing the Golden Knights create. Uh, to use expected goals per game, last two years in the regular season, the Golden Knights have been top three in the NHL and expected goals per game at 3.1 both years, right? They've been a phenomenal offensive team that gets a lot of shots, a lot of high danger chances. But last year in that five-game loss to Dallas, their expected goals was 2.9, a little bit lower than their regular season average, but nothing massive. Um, And you honestly expect some drop-off when you get to the playoffs because you're only playing better teams. You don't get to play the bottom half of the league anymore. But this year, the Golden Knights expected goals in this series is 2.6 per game. We're talking a full half a goal difference from what they normally do in the regular season. Um, 2.6 would actually be a decent number over the course of the regular season, but it's still nowhere near what the Golden Knights actually put up. So the difference is last year when they lost to Dallas, the Golden Knights were still creating their usual shots and usual chances. They just couldn't actually score. They just couldn't actually put it in the back of the net this year. They're not creating those chances. And the last two games, their expected goals per game is just 2.3. So, yes, there's some of this that's on the players, but I think a lot of this is on Pete DeBoer because as a coach, he's got to, they have to find a way, whether it's like getting through the neutral zone where Montreal has been very good at disrupting the Golden Knights and not letting them carry the puck in on their sticks. They've got to find a way to be better at that. And then when they get into the zone, they've got to find a better way to. I mean, basically spread or space Montreal out. They've got to find a way to create shooting lanes or passing lanes when they're set up in the offensive zone because right now they don't have any. All their offense is in the offensive zone is, okay, you pass it back to Petrangelo at the point, and he launches from there. And they've scored some goals in this series doing that, but that's really a low danger, low percentage chance of scoring. 
they've got to have a better game plan to beat Montreal because right now Pete DeBoer they they haven't done anything to beat what Montreal's doing. To well, them. let me ask you this then because you know obviously Montreal's strength is they're playing to their strength more so than the Golden Knights are playing to their strength in terms of clogging up the neutral zone and being a good defensive team and kind of taking their chances when they get them. How do you think? strategically you can overcome that. I mean, some pe- a lot of people overcame it because, like you said yesterday, if they lose one more game and win the Stanley Cup, they're going to do so with a loose <laughs> record. So I guess a lot of people, uh, you know, and we are the North, figured it out because <laughs> they were like the fourth team in or whatever they were. They were they were the 18th team in and all the stats that say they weren't very good. So teams up there figured them out. I mean, they didn't, weren't very good. Why do you think the Golden Knights haven't been able to figure this out? Well, offensively, when they're in the offensive zone, they they get attempts. Yeah, but it's it's always just from the point from Alex Petrangelo, which and, is one of the easiest shots to yeah. unless you're screening the guy really well. It's one of the easiest yeah. shots. For him and to so, like, there's a level of they probably need more like actual player movement once they get in the offensive zone, or they need different player movement so that Montreal doesn't know where guys are going. So you can again, the key here is to create some sort of shooting lane or to create some sort of passing lane, right? A passing lane would be great. If you can throw a cross-ice pass, right. that'd be great. Like, well, how they many, actually did derive Smith. One. They but, got one, but he yes. Did, but he, and he had a wide-open net and wasn't able to do it. But like, it was a great you, pass you by You need Dodge to get Randy. five or six of those in a game right. because Riley Smith is going to, like, that's going to happen. Riley Smith is going to put it in the wrong place, right? So you need five or six to create a goal or two when you're set up in the offensive zone. So that, like... That to me is the key is can you create some passing lanes? You can get some cross ice passes to guys that are can, you know, rip a one time or actually score the one time or two would be helpful. So I think a lot of this is on coaching this year. Last year, I don't think much of it was on coaching. I don't think there was much Pete DeBoer could have done differently last year. This year, I, I think they can actually they're getting beat. It's it's similar to how they beat Colorado. Like the Golden Knights are the more offensively skilled team. They're the more gifted team in this series but they're getting frustrated by a team that's just playing a compact defensive style. It's kind of what the Golden Knights did to Colorado last round. I thought last night when, uh, and we'll talk about this later in the show, when the Islanders won on the one-timer in overtime, I'm like, that's how you shoot a one-timer. Like a lot of the Golden Knights one-timers go right into (laughs) Carey Price's chest. I'm like, he's a large individual who's like a Hall of Fame goalie. I don't know if you want to shoot it into his chest. The one-timer last night was great. I don't even know if if, um, if he even saw it, Vasquez even saw it, and I don't think he did. Um... But so many of their shots, and we've talked about this, are into the pad, into the chest. They don't lift pucks. It's very strange how they've been in the past a good offensive team with these good two lines. And they, they, he's a really good goalie. I don't know how hard they've really made it. Right. Out of how many, he's really good, but still. How many times in the last two games has Carey Price made a save? And we were like, well, like, that's a that game-winning save. Not much. Because last game, the, the one time was that Riley Smith chance. And when right. you go back and look at it, it was the worst shot Riley yeah. Smith's ever had. Because yeah. if you go back and look at that shot from Riley Smith where he's standing on the crease and gets the pass, if Carey Price ever touches it, it goes wider than that. That shot is not on goal at all. So that's like, I mean, sure, Carey Price, his blocker hit the puck, right. but that's not a great save. No. That's a horrible shot. So like, that's throwing your blocker out right. and hoping he has a horrible shot. It's like, hey, he had a horrible shot. The Golden Knights have not had, or not made Carey Price no. do much of anything. Like, we're not no. walking away thinking, wow, Carey Price stole some games well, in this series. You know, it's not like Carey Price was a Vesna finalist. Like I said, he's you know, he's probably in the Hall of Fame because of his career and what he's done over his career. But again, we'll go back to, this was not a good team all year. Now, look, 
I didn't watch every Montreal game. I don't know how many of his losses were on him or on his team, whatever. We really have only seen Montreal for, what, f- you know, five games now that we've really watched Montreal, maybe a little in the other series when they came back against uh, when they came back against Toronto and they swept Winnipeg. But, yeah, and, and I guess we can say in the playoffs he's raised his game, which is kind of the whole cliche about goalies. You can ride a goalie in the playoffs, and you, if the goalie raised the game, I guess he's done that. But there hasn't even been the last few games where you're like, man, that guy just saved the game. Like, he's good, but you're really making it easy on him by the type of shots you're getting. I mean, he's going to stop most of those shots. You've talked about it in the past. Like, 99% of shots at P- at goalies, you don't even have to be a carry price. You have to be like an average NHL goalie. You're going to stop. I mean, be a warm body. Yeah, I mean, just a put a guy them. in net, and, and, and the guy played in college, like, you know, at Minnesota. Like, that guy's good enough. He played at Minnesota, <laughs> and he'll stop most. So, yeah, they're not making it hard on a good goalie, but a guy who obviously people during the year – were able to solve. Yeah, he Gary Price this year regular season had his second worst save percentage right. of his so, career. What's he doing now? He's good now. <laughs> I mean, he's in this series. He's been good. I don't know if he's been great because I don't know how many great saves right. he's had to make. And look, that's not on him. It's the people in front of him are obviously doing a really good job frustrating the Knights, knocking through the neutral. And you have to give them credit. They're doing a good job to force a lot of these easy saves. But you know, look, you do that again tonight, then. You know, cancel the parade. <laughs> I mean, I guess there's no parade. It is. Uh, so, by the way, you bring up Montreal in the regular season. They had the 18th best record in hockey. This yeah. Year. Eight, 18th. 16 teams made the playoffs. They were the worst team to make the playoffs after the regular season. Like, they were not a good team this year. So let me ask you this. What is worse from a evaluating your franchise standpoint? Losing in the third round to Montreal, who, again, 18th best record in hockey, shouldn't belong on the same sheet of ice as you in the playoffs, or had they lost to Colorado in the second round, where you didn't advance as far, but Colorado had the best record in the regular season? Well, I think it's worse overall to lose Montreal. I think perception-wise, they would have been fine if they lost to Colorado. Yeah. I mean, publicly, people out there, they lost Colorado because, now, again, the other night, when I was watching Tampa Bay, and Kucherov was healthy, and they went 8-0. I, I texted you know, our bait riders. I'm like, we sure Colorado's the best team? Because these dudes are really good. Now, we'll see what happens in that series. But had they lost to Colorado, it was pounded into so many – the, the narrative was pounded into us so much that this is the best team. Yeah. They've got the best line. You know, they've got Nathan McKinnon. They've got, you know, Vesna Finals, all of this. So had they lost him, I think Knights fans would have been bummed. But I think they're like, eh, that was supposedly the best team. They lose to these guys, it's horrible. Right. Because the, the way the playoffs set up, it was very unlucky for Colorado and Vegas. Because Absolutely. They, they had the, the they tied the for the records. most points yeah. in the NHL, but they had to play in the second round. And that's very unlucky. But for the winner of that series... They were going to be fortunate because they got to play Montreal. That's what we thought. And so it's almost like it's the reverse here where Montreal should have been like the Golden Knights first round matchup and then Minnesota and then Colorado in the third round. So I think losing to Montreal is worse regardless because it's more of, you know, random luck of the draw as to who you play in what round based on what they randomly drew the divisions this year based on COVID. So even... It's even more random than usual. So I think it's worse to lose this series to Montreal than it would have been to oh, lose it's to Colorado. Worse. I'm just saying I'm just saying in the outside world, hey, lost to Colorado, people would have accepted it a lot yeah. more. Because like, yeah. oh, it's the best team. I I remember talking to Ben before the whole playoff started, and I go, What do you think? He goes, Well, he goes, if they win it all, they're really gonna earn it. Because they're probably gonna have to go through Minnesota, Colorado, Toronto, yeah. 
and then Tampa Whoever. Bay. Yeah. And it's now going to be Montreal, where you might get eliminated, and it <laughs> might be the <laughs> Islanders because Kucherov's hurt. We're going to talk about that, and who knows what's going to – anything can happen in the Game 7. So what became in people's minds, like, oh, they're really going to have to go through the, through the gamut. Well, guess what? They didn't have to. I mean, this who nobody, nobody at the beginning said they're to get to the Cup final. They have to beat Montreal, and anyone would have thought, wait a minute, they'll take that and they'll be winning five. The Stanley Cup final is Montreal and the Islanders. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I know Dom decision from the Athletic. He tweeted this out yesterday. His like pre-playoff odds to win the Stanley Cup: New York Islanders eleventh best odds, Montreal fourteenth best. Yeah. And they're going to, and they're both one game away from 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 cleaning the Stanley Cup final. (laughs) So, what was supposed to work out this huge, huge, you know, kind of mountain for the Knights after they got past Colorado, you know, it was like a little hill at that point with Montreal. And they're about, you know, not about if they lose, they get eliminated. But yeah, I mean, and the Islanders win. I mean, the, the road is not as tough as people thought, and they're on the brink of elimination. And here's the thing they're playing the Montreal Canadiens. The 18th best team yeah. in hockey. They all they have to do is beat that team twice in a row. Two more times, yeah. If at any point during the regular season I told you the Golden Knights will be in the Stanley Cup final if they beat the Canadians twice in a row, every single person would have said, "Oh, they can do yeah, that. Gonna, yeah. We'll take There's that. So, absolutely, we can do that." They're, they're not good. Like this isn't like a oh Colorado and if they figure it out with Nathan McKinnon, the Golden Knights are done for. They yeah, because you got to beat them McKinnon. twice. Yeah, yeah. This is Montreal. Like seriously, we're talking about like. Nick Suzuki is like, oh, how do you figure out Nick? Like, it shouldn't be that hard right. to figure out and beat Nick Suzuki, but they can't. They haven't done it. I mean, they haven't done it convincingly either. I, have they played a good game in the series? Like, it's three two. First game, I maybe four to one. I don't feel like they actually. It's, these series, like, it's in game six, and if you told me what happened in game one, I know it was four one. I couldn't tell you anything that happened. <laughs> you know what I mean? You like forget. You, you go through a series and you see all these games. You try to think back, but just on score alone. I actually think they were down 1-0 in that yeah, game. Yeah, even that wasn't like a dominant win. Like the scoreboard was was reflected right. the Golden Knights were better. But even that wasn't like, oh wow, this is they they are absolutely better than Montreal. But even since like the last oh, five no, games it has series, to be the first game. Like they they haven't played well. And it's I I guess we should give credit to Montreal for, for some, doing that. But I think some. Again, the team they had the eighteenth best record in hockey in the regular season. They can't actually be this good at the sport. You can't actually be that good enough to stop a team who had the best record just because, oh, we will, we're just going to compact when we get on defense and they won't be able to score anymore. I, it's it's bizarre. I, I still think they can win the series because, again, oh, it's absolutely. I, absolutely. I still think they've got a good shot to win it. But I actually thought the other night it was weird when they were up like 2 or 3 0. I actually thought Montreal was being pretty aggressive. Like they kept attacking well, him. Like they took I a would, shot, which is I would, aggressive. Yeah, for I them. would just put the entire team in front of <laughs> Carey Price. They keep skating in. We'll block everything you do. We're up three zero. There's no chance you people yes. can score. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Because that totally undermines their their plan of taking away the puck in the neutral zone yes, that they exactly. keep beating the Golden Knights on. So you set them all up in the neutral zone. It'd be like the hockey shift. Everyone stand in front of Carey Price, and there's no way you can get the, the puck in. Shift. There you go. Keep keep pelting us with pucks. We'll just keep blocking them. All right, coming up next, we're going to talk about the greatest rivalry in baseball. Although I think you got to win a game for it to be a rivalry. Is Tyler a know it all? Can you prove him wrong? Call the press box voicemail and let us know. 702 720 4678. Castillo, the big closer for the Rays, comes on, and he is being inspected on his way onto the mound. And this is the first time, Lou, we've seen real discussion. They're pointing at the hat. And I don't know whether he's going to be stopped from pitching, but this is a long discussion. 
They've got the hat, Lou. We got action in Tampa right now. Yeah, they may they may want this man to wear another hat on the mound. Or, yeah, I mean, he, he's staying in the game. We just saw on tape that discussion. And he's in there. They said grab him a new hat. Tom wow. Hallion said grab him a new hat. I mean, is it possible that he could have said that's just an old hat that had some old pine tar on it? I, that's I a first. Know. We're learning about this stuff as we go along. I didn't know that was an option. It's the Press Box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas. Good thing Kershaw got his new hat before the game started yesterday. Kershaw needs a new hat. Maybe is, is Diego Castillo, is he uh, in that Clayton Kershaw school of dirty hats? Kershaw got it off Amazon. <laughs> Was it yesterday you and I talked about, I, I'm just, every night now these are funny videos. Was it yesterday you talked about the guy's glove? Whose glove? Okay, did you see this? I, I forget the picture. I'll go and look on it. They made him change his oh, glove yes, yesterday yes. because it's half blue and half brown, yeah, which I thought was very strange. And the announcers are saying it's too light. Which... Yeah, which I thought was, that didn't make sense. No. I mean, these guys have, Bauer, I think, is has like a weird, like a bright blue glove. And you look at some guys have red gloves and like, I don't even remember the pit player, but it was a two-toned glove. I'm like, man, we're really getting down to yeah, the it was brass and, now. It was blue I mean, and brown. Yeah, it's like. It wasn't white. And it. No, you talked about like someone had an all-white glove. I I guess with the ball and stuff, maybe you can make that argument. It's like you know the ball come out of the hand and the glove, but blue and brown. I'm like man, if we're if we're like throwing gloves out now, it's really got to a different level. And that level. had nothing to do with like a foreign substance. That no, was just I think the which, umpire you know, saying your your glove is too similar to the ball. I don't know. Am I wrong to suggest that's probably not the first time that used that that guy uses glove? Those guys yeah. use their same gloves for like years at yeah. a time. Yeah. Who's who was it that was a? a I want to say it was Tulo. His glove was like so fallen apart that one time he went to go like field the ball at shortstop and it went through the net. Through, yeah. <laughs> Those middle infielders, man, they barely even wear gloves. Um, Who was? I think Chris Bryant this year had one go through his glove. That's just literally like guys, just like he put his glove up to catch it, thought he caught it, and then looked behind him because it somehow <laughs> went just, through his rolling. glove, and it's like what? Bauer uh, disappointed me last night that they didn't get something and he didn't go crazy. He gives up a lot of home runs, man. I don't know what his spin rates, but he even said last night afterwards, he goes, I got a problem with home runs. I'm like, yeah, you keep giving them up. That's the problem. <laughs> All right. Here's a fun stat for you, Ed. Since umpires started checking pitchers as they come off the mound for foreign substances, the Dodgers haven't won a game. Hard to win when you can't cheat, huh? Yeah, it's tough. It's tough. <laughs> Kershaw with the new hat. Bauer giving up bombs. It's uh, it's June 24th. They're in a little of a pickle. I know it's June 24th. <laughs> a lot of ball to be played. It's June 24th. The Dodgers are looking up at the Giants. By, yeah, they're four out. They just got swept by the Padres and have yeah. lost, what, seven of their last eight to the Padres? Uh, yes, yeah, seven of eight. First time they were swept in eight years? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's June 24th, but how concerned are you actually? Concerned? I, I will, again, I will tell you, I'm more concerned about the Giants. I don't, because the Padres have proven they'll go, like, through hitting slumps. Like, they'll go, like, six games where they just can't hit. They did it recently until they started hitting. Like, the Giants again last night, 13 to what? In 13 innings, I'm like, what, they scored nine in the 13th? I'm like, what are these? Dodgers get them starting on Monday at, at, at Dodger Stadium. We'll see. But I'm, I just, I don't know why, because I think the Padres might even have with all those soft Bellinger came back last night. <laughs> when every, look, when everyone's completely healthy, including May, I think the Dodgers have the most talent in the NLS, but they're not completely healthy. 
So I actually think right now, as today sits, the Padres probably have the best talent. But I just think the Giants, I, I don't know, I hate to say the whole weird destiny things like that. But the Giants, I'm far more worried about. I just think there's something about them this year, and I don't know. I can't put my finger on it, but they're good. Did you watch the Angels-Giants at all yesterday? No, because like I said, before the game, I knew they played in the afternoon. I'm like, okay, if the Dodgers win, what's the thing? And I, I scrolled down my phone. Oh, they won again. It's like, like what was it, like 13 to something slash 13 innings? Yeah. I'm like, well, what did they score here? You would have been so angry. Uh, the Giants didn't score in the top of the 10th. Right. The Angels came up. They had the bases loaded with one out and did not score in the bottom of the 10th. And it went to the 11th. What's even better, though, so that game was... It was a home game for the Angels, so you have the DH. But Shohei Otani started on the mound for the Angels. So no, when I that saw happens, that because someone put a video out about him getting checked. So when when the Angels start Otani on the mound, they don't use the DH. They let Otani let hit, hit, and then when he's out of the game, they just pinch hit for right. the pitcher from there on. They they just forfeit the DH. So because of that, and because for some reason the Angels only had like three bench players going into that game. This game gets into extra innings, and in, I think it was the 12th inning. The Angels had already used a pinch hitter. Their backup catcher was in the game, and a foul ball hit him straight in the head. They had to take their backup catcher out. Their left fielder had to come in and play catcher, who like caught in the minors five years ago, right? And they had to put a pitcher in the left field. So in the bottom of the 12th inning, the Angels had two pitchers bat in an American League ballpark. Because they had a pitcher in left field, and then the pitcher who was on the mound, he, he's he got a hit because they don't have a DH, and they had no more bench players. Two pitchers batted in the same half inning in an American League park. You know, it sucks that you don't have the softball rules where Otani could have been re-entered at catcher. <laughs> because in softball, I used to re-enter kids all the time, but can't do that in major league. So it's like, eh, show hey, put the gear on. But you can't do that. So that which would have been which I don't know how good this guy was that caught in high school, but Otani was probably better. <laughs> he has a better arm than this guy. And I don't even know who the hell this guy is. But here's the best thing: in that 12th inning where they had two pitchers bat, the Angels actually scored a run to tie it. Like the Giants had scored. Well, in the when top did the half. Giants score 14 the runs? Inning, because I'm like, they scored yeah, like every. I, they I saw get the final out. score. I'm like, here we go. That's what I'm saying. But again, you would have been so mad uh, yeah, watching that. Again, they're. I look. I think they're really good. You're not in, like in first place at this time and not be very good. But there are certain seasons where, like you just said, that's a perfect example. Yesterday, that game, like things happen. And you kind of get breaks or whatever. Like, look, they're good. They deserve where to be. But when teams have magical years like that, like you can go back and say, well, you remember that game or that game? And maybe that's just one of their years. I don't know. And there's still a lot to be played, obviously. They still play the Dodgers like probably eight to 12 times. But yeah, I I mean, maybe I just want to talk myself into that they're better than the, that they, I'm more worried about them than the Padres. You want the Padres to finish third more than you want the Dodgers to win the division. (laughs) Does that mean the Dodgers in the wild card and the Padres don't get in? Well, it could mean the Dodgers and Padres play in the wild card. I don't game. want that. I know you don't. I don't that's want that. what I want. I do that's not. Well, what that's I want what you more than want. Anything. It would just <laughs> I will look if the Dodgers lose to the Padres. Okay, this is how the show works. When we're both on the show, Tyler will do the rundown at night, and I will somewhat scan it at six fifty in the morning and say, "What are we talking about?" Um, if that's the day after, and we're both on the show. I will call up the rundown at 6.50, and all it will say is Dodgers. <laughs> and it won't have anything else there the entire be show because else. we will we will literally, for three hours, Jared will have come up with every sound the entire season of Dodgers, <laughs> and he'll just keep pushing the button. 
Oh, God, if that happens, I it can't come in. Like, hello, Jared. Clean feed. Clean feed. You no, we're going to do it. No, we're going we're gonna to send Angel and, the re- and Tyler to your kitchen, <laughs> and we're going to do a live oh. remote. Oh. Oh. If they play in the wild card, how do we do a live show from San Diego or L.A.? <laughs> Just like, yeah, uh, this random show in Las Vegas wants to do it. Yes, it wants exactly. To do it live. Exactly. Yeah, it'll be great. Uh, All right, coming up next, David Roth joins the show. We're happy to talk to him. He just seems happy to talk to anyone. David Roth from The Defector is with us on the press box. Subscribe to The Distraction on Stitcher and use the promo code DISTRACT for a free month of Stitcher Premium. All right, David, has baseball gotten better because we're now checking pitchers and they're mad they have to take their belts off? I mean, it's gotten funnier. Like, it's definitely added an element of, you know, like when I was a kid and Earl Weaver was still managing, you could always count on, like, you know, the like the highlight shows that I'd watch on Saturday mornings. There would always be some guy that looked like my grandfather kicking dirt onto another <laughs> larger man. Yes. Oh, how crazy can it be? And yesterday I heard someone on radio saying, this is just the clown show that is Manfred. He didn't do something before. Now, they, when they do do something, they've gone completely overboard, and it's a clown show. Girardi wanting to fight people. I wanted so badly for J- Trevor Bauer to get naked last night and just walk on the field and take everything off like a nut job, but he didn't. Like, how <laughs> crazy can this be? Happen. Yes, someone's going to just take all their clothes off. Yeah, that's the, the part of it that's weirdest is that, you know, there's just that kind of, like, idle morning scroll that I do through Twitter. Like, I'm seeing way too many highlights of, like, Guys vigorously removing their belts yes. with like yes. mean looks on their face. <laughs> so like it looks like either like Sergio Romo is gonna spank Tim Cheetah in some like nineteen fifties styly, or it's just like what like fellas, you gotta take this to the tunnel. Like it's all. I mean, I think that it is really like classic Manfred in the sense that like they ignored it until they couldn't ignore it, and then they threw a bunch of enforcement at it without really thinking through, like not even you know, how that would be enforced. Because it's not like any of these umpires are, like, experts in, you know, whatever, industrial solvents or whatever, like, little weird stuff that's being put on the ball. They're just like, it's like literally Cowboy Joe West. Yeah. You know, like, it's, like I wouldn't trust him to inspect anything more complicated than, like, I don't know, the small engine of a riding mower he already owns. <laughs> you know, like, and in this case, like, the idea that you're fixing something simply by throwing enforcement at it is, like, that's the the classic sort of Manfred touch. He's always coming up with stuff about baseball that he doesn't like. And then there's this weird high-handed attempt to sort of like fix it unilaterally right away. And that's how you wind up with like a pitch clock that everybody ignores or a runner on second base and extra innings that everybody hates. You know, like it's, I don't, I don't know how you fix it. I mean, I definitely like think it's the sort of thing that theoretically could get hashed out at the bargaining table you know, during the off season, but certainly just like flipping a switch during the middle of the year and expecting everybody to be cool with it. Like it's a crucial misunderstanding of like how baseball players are, but also how the entire rest of the world works. So the punishment for individual players is a 10 game suspension with pay. Now the team loses a roster spot. So you might be letting the team down, but would you keep cheating given that that's all the punishment is? I think it would be pretty embarrassing, uh, but, you know, it's different. I think baseball players have a different threshold for embarrassment than, like, middle-aged blogger guys do, you know? So, like, it's hard to say. Like, I think that um, the suspension without pay is the sort of thing where, like, I think if they had tried to do that, the union would have jumped them on it. 
And so it's like this is probably the most you can do if you're trying to fix it, you know, midstream during the middle of the year. But like, I think it's a really good question. Like, you know, ten games is like so you'd miss a start. You know, uh, if you're a pitcher, like maybe two starts. Like for relief pitchers, obviously that would that would really poke a hole in things. But I think that like it, it does again, like sort of show uh, like how little they've kind of thought it through. Because like I think the extent to which this is a problem, like I, I still don't necessarily know how well understood it is. You know, that like I think that there's there's clearly a lot of pitchers that weren't using it. And then the pitchers that that were, you know, it's there's such a big difference between the like sunscreen rosin thing that was basically like tacitly agreed upon, and then these like freaky, you know, like strongman competition things where you know whatever. Like I have a my friends is a writer for the Athletic, and like she got her hands on some spider tack. It's just like the most disgusting <laughs> substance that you could imagine. Like it really just seems like something from. Like the the broader Alien versus Predator cinematic universe. <laughs> Like, you shouldn't have it in your home or your dugout or whatever. And, like, but I guess, you know, whatever, the idea that they're going to fix it. This is the thing with Manfred is I never get the sense that they're trying to actually fix the problem, just that they're trying to, like, point it out and make the players look bad. Well, and, and I think that that poisons the well, like, right off the bat. Well, so, and, like, the whole the whole era of cheating in the last 20, 30 years of baseball, right, if you as a player – are able to handle the embarrassment that comes with it if it's the steroid era. I mean, a lot of guys got rich off of steroids because they became incredible hitters. If it's the Astros, yeah. they won a World Series, and like the only punishment really is that the public views you more negatively, so if you can handle that, there's kind of no punishment for any cheating in the history of the sport. Yeah, there's people that think about other people differently, but I think that like even there, like, the legacy of all of this stuff, like if you're... I mean, baseball's really hard. You know what I mean? Like, in terms of, like, making a living playing this job, you know, playing this sport, doing this job, like, I think that there's obviously some compromises you have to be willing to make just because, like, you know, if you're not right, right on point, like, somebody will be better than you. And I think that's true. Like, with the story here, it was like there were all these marginal guys that showed up looking like, you know, Rob Liefeld comic drawings they saw like weird veins on their neck and stuff like that and you're like so the backup catcher okay interesting <laughs> but like they didn't necessarily get like that much better for it they were just sort of trying to, to keep pace and i think that that's like the part of it that that was really like gross and I, I don't necessarily know to what extent there's pitchers using sticky stuff because other guys are using sticky stuff i think that there's like this more of a sort of a spectrum of justifications there from like mlb screen with the baseball to make it you know, slippery, and then also, you know, the more that it's understood, and again, this goes back to Bauer, not necessarily even in a bad way, like, the extent to which it's understood what this stuff actually adds. Like, with steroids, I think people were doing it because they were like, yeah, it makes me big, like, it makes my muscles big, you know? Like, it's like a very, like, banging on the garbage can version of cheating. Whereas, like, with the sticky tack stuff, I sense that there's, like, whole, you know, broad, like, different understanding of it and it works differently for different pitchers. You just need to centralize it, come up with one goo, put it on the mound and forget it instead of like making everybody into cops and criminals for some reason. All right. So Tyler is all over this. I don't think it has anything to do with him cheating, but it appears Clayton <laughs> Kershaw has a clean hat for the first time in 18 years and no longer. <laughs> See, I... I've always thought it was sweat. I never thought it was anything <laughs> weird, but he came out the other night with like a clean hat. Such a dip, is I saw they took uh, Diego Castillo's hat out of the Rays game yesterday. Yes. I feel like really funky hats are like 
if you're old enough, you remember some truly gross headgear for watching baseball games. Like, we can't lose that. Like, if there's a generation that doesn't get to see what Steve Klein's hat looked like back in the day, I don't know if anybody remembers that one. Like, truly one of the grossest. It looks like he was, like, he swam in it. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like yes. Salt deposits. And, yeah, it, but I think that, like, that's a part of the game. Like, the idea of Clayton Kershaw in, like, a new hat with, like, a tag on it and a really high yes. crown. <laughs> like, embarrassing. And that like, silver, oh, that silver circle on the, on, the, on the front, yeah, that little bigger. silver circle to make sure it's absolutely licensed by MLB. Yeah, right. Like, got the, like oh, we know he's a seven and three quarters. Congrats. Yes. That's a very normal size head, sir. <laughs> yeah, like, I, I think they need to, uh, like, make an exemption for, like, like, the way that they let hockey players that played without helmets continue to do that after they made them, like, the rule in the NHL, I think that if there was, like, you should have, like, an appeals committee, like, that, you know, whatever, maybe, like, uh, Steve Klein, and uh, not, a, you know, a guy that put, like, gross stuff on it, but, like, all the relievers used to have gross hats. You should be able to go before a panel of them and submit your hat, and they're like, this is gross enough that you should be able to wear it for the rest of your career. All right, outside of like New York and Philadelphia right now, Trey Young seems beloved by all of basketball. When does that change? When does everybody else start to hate Trey Young? <laughs> when he plays their team. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> but it's, I've been like kind of fascinated by it. Cause I'm not like a hardcore Knicks fan. I did, I, you know, I thought it would be fun if they won that series. Like, he's extremely good and extremely annoying in a way that I can't, like, Reggie Miller's the only comparison that I can come up with. Like, he really, really seems to like it. And I think that's a cool thing, you know, for the NBA to have. As great as, you know, many of the, the great scorers that are playing now are, they're either kind of, like, aloof or they're, like, sort of, like, hypersensitive, like Kevin Durant, like, replying to people on Twitter in, like, the middle of the country being like, you look stupid. <laughs> like, I don't like the way your wife looks in that photo. Like, you know, like that sort of guy. Trey Young is just, like, about, in, like, doing the maximum embarrassing damage to you on your own home floor, like which I think is like a much more uh, fun type of competitor, either to watch and then also to sort of cheer against. Do you want them to win it? I, you know, honestly, at this point, like I'm kind of fine with any of these teams winning it, which is weird. Uh, I think that, like, you know, the Clips are a super team. You know, it's easy to forget that because, like, you know, Kawhi's not there and Paul George is good, like, three games out of four. But the, uh, like, any of these teams winning an NBA championship was, like, not something I had uh, on the menu of possible options for, like, basically for my life. The idea of, like, the Phoenix yes. Suns yes. winning a championship is, like, yeah. sure, like, that's cool. They weren't in the playoffs last year. Like, what am I going to be mad about that? Like, that's great. Uh, okay, you mentioned Paul George. He's been actually good in this postseason. Very, But yeah. he missed the two free throws before DeAndre Ayton has the alley-oop to win the game. Like, but he's never going to shake his reputation, is he? Like, it doesn't matter how good he is in the other 45 minutes of the game. He's never going to shake this reputation. It's, it feels like a Kershaw-type scenario to me, really. Like, where it's the sort of thing where I think, you know, of some of it's luck and some of it's real, but it's the sort of thing where, like, they're going to have to, you know, win the championship. And I think at that point, it's like, maybe there'll still be people that are really into slandering him and like being like, Oh, you know, you were carried by whatever Nicholas Batum in game seven or whatever it is that, you know, could conceivably happen. But I don't think that like him getting them where they are now, like basically like the work he did in the previous series is like so obviously heroic to me that like, I think he's got a chance at it, but yeah, he's going to need to have like good games in the NBA finals uh, that everyone can kind of agree on. Because, like, making fun of him at this point is, like, one of those, 
like it almost has nothing to do with his performance. It's just like if you were like bluffing at the water cooler and you'd done like three minutes of research on Twitter, you'd be like, "How about playoff P, huh?" Right? <laughs> you guys watched the sports match last night. Like it's just like whatever, kind of in the air. It's like a ubiquitous thing. I thought it was funny this morning. I think it was the NBA tweeted out. Um, TV ratings for both of these conference finals, and it was almost like them begging us to believe people care. You know, up yeah. 15%, up 20%. I don't really even know if I believe that, but if it's Atlanta versus Phoenix, I don't know who's... I mean, I'm watching, and we're watching because of Trey Young, but the interest will just be, I think, naturally, like, who's that? I, I really wonder, though, because, like, it seems like they've held up really strongly even after... Like, I definitely get the idea of being like, no one's going to watch if, like, LeBron's not there and KD's not there. But, like, these are, they've mostly been really good games, I think. Like, so if it's the sort of thing where basketball fans are watching it, then I guess we're just, like, finding out how many hardcore basketball weirdos there are. Because I don't think there's that many people that are, like, oh, if LeBron's not in it, I'm not interested. Like, I'm not a basketball fan. I just like the, like, the balding, intense guy who dunks. <laughs> like, it's like this, and it has to be, like, much of an overlap in terms of, like, if you cared, like, how would you get into LeBron in the first place? But I, I am definitely like those markets are like if you were having this conversation before the season, you were trying to come up with like the most poisonous non Orlando Magic related pairing. <laughs> it's like yeah, or all right, like Bucks Clippers, like the classic rivalry we love to know. Like there's none of it exactly like breaks in the direction of good ratings, but like the product's been so good. I mean, last year's ratings, I don't trust. Everybody in the country was depressed. Right. Like, and right. I think like if you know the idea of being like too sad to watch a basketball game with like a bunch of Zoom faces watching it in an empty arena in Florida. Like, I mean, I watched it because I'm an idiot, but like, I definitely get the idea of being like, no, I think I'd rather just sit in the dark and drink scotch. Like, that was a totally reasonable response in that context. I'm going to miss those Zoom faces. Those are some fun faces. Yeah, I love those large heads like looming <laughs> over the court. Well, he is David Roth from The Defector. David, as always, we appreciate it. Thanks, Thanks David. Man. Thanks, guys. Have Thanks a good day. To you too. The Zoom faces in Orlando. Remember those? Yeah. What those a nightmare. Were, yeah, those are strange. Those are really weird. <laughs> you could the, sit in front of your computer and watch an NBA yeah. game. Uh, the NFL strange. ones were the ones that always bothered me. It's like they'd run up to the thing in the end zone. Oh, I liked that one oh, the most. Okay, see, because there was always like one person who was obviously like their internet wasn't good. Like they were on like dial up or something. <laughs> so they were like just staring, just staring, just staring. The player had yeah. turned around, and then all of a sudden, they start like doing stuff. We so hadn't got totally. I'm I'm lost here. We had had the pandemic really kicked in before the uh, SpongeBob SquarePants on football. Yeah, that yeah, was that had, was that was the that yeah, was the highlight. Last okay, season. I was because yeah. I kind of liked that, but I don't know if that had been pandemic. Uh, around those times, yeah, that was, or yeah, it was last season. It was during okay. the pandemic, and Mitch Trubisky won the. Whatever the, the slime, M- the MVP of the Nickelodeon. Uh, yeah, and basically okay. all the all, right. all the all the NFL people had to be like, "Well, kids, yeah, what we need to tell you about Mitch <laughs> is while he was good in this game, actually sucks. He stinks." How to talk to your kids about Mitch? Mitch Trubisky. All right, coming up next, we'll stick with the NBA because Trey Young is about to break everybody's hearts in the league. Is Tyler a know-it-all? Can you prove him wrong? Tweet at Bischoff underscore Tyler and at Ed Graney. Trey Young's going to bring it back down for the Hawks. 2.35 to go in the quarter. Trey dribbling behind the pick. Now Trey crosses over. Stops. He sets. He shoots the three. Bang! They left him wide open and he did a set shot. We're back to the press box with Graney and Bischoff. 
Oh, the Atlanta Hawks. They have taken another game one on the road. So important note that I don't know that everybody knows. Jared is a Bucks fan. Yep. Um, I feel like this show, though, Ed and I are are officially cheering for Trey Young and the Atlanta Hawks to win the title. I'm not voting for the Hawks. I'm cheering for Trey Young. Okay. Uh, yeah. Fair enough. And so two thirds of this room are on board with Atlanta and Trey Trey yeah. Young, while Jared sighs. There were a lot of cool okay. moments last night. None as cool as when he paused and did the shimmy to, to hit that three. That was hilarious. He took a breath. I, was that great or what? Was. That was. It's like, are you going to come out and contest me or no? I mean, it was great. He threw the the pass he threw off the backboard to John Collins. Okay, there's two parts of this off the backboard alley oop that are impressive. Number one, he did it in the half court off a pick and roll. This wasn't a, a transition where it's a two on zero oh or even a two on one in the half court off the pick and roll. But number two, he did it from an angle. Like yeah. he, it wasn't straight on and hey, just throw it straight up and I'll get it. He had to actually like angle that properly off the backboard so John Collins could dunk it. Uh, phenomenal moments in that game. Which one? This isn't the one where he. It was beyond half court, but in one motion, he obviously saw Collins out of the corner of his eye. In one motion, he swooped for the. That wasn't the one you're talking about. No, that wasn't off the yeah. court. That was that Definitely. was a great pass yeah. too. He never even stopped, and his whole body took him to. Obviously, he knew Collins was there, but still, the pass was just pinpoint. Like I'm watching the game, I'm like damn, that is skilled. I mean, he never even. There was no motion to stop at all, and he just went with the lob. It's like man. I was like, he's a great passer, but it's like he did a couple last night. You're like, whoa. One of like, okay, so Steph Curry and the Warriors probably played the like the best, most uh, you know, appeasing basketball that I've probably ever seen. And part of it was because Steph Curry could just shoot off the dribble, off the catch yep. from anywhere on the floor. And it was just it was incredible to watch. Trey Young is a very good shooter and a very good shooter from deep. But I find myself, I want him to drive into the paint on every yes. possession because yeah. I'm like, well, he's going to throw an alley oop. Like, there's going to be an awesome yes. alley oop if he gets to the free throw line. And there were more. Um, I love him. I, I love watching him. But there were a few times last night where on the heat check, I'm like, just get into the lane. He got into the lane pretty much every time he wanted. And with either those, like, you know, those uh, teardrops or whatever, like the passes. I want him to do that all the time. Yeah. I love seeing his threes, but there were a couple last night. Like, oh, he uh, takes some bad that, threes. Yeah, he, he takes, takes some, some bad threes. He takes some really bad threes. You're like, uh, <laughs> not that. Like, he almost, you know, tries to get his inner Steph going a little, yes. I think. And and he takes some really bad threes. And yet he can get into the paint pretty much anytime he wants. Yeah. It's incredible. Jared is seething. You beat Durant, Kyrie, and Harden. Well, and you get taken down by Clint Capella. One and a half of those guys. Let's let's relax yeah. over there. All right, the the hot Collins take, was really good. Actually, he was. He yeah. was really good. They it's, needed him to be. Like the Hawks don't really have like a number two no. star, but like they get Kevin Huerter to have a big game. John Collins has a big game. Bogdanovich hurt. Like yeah, like he's hurt. They've got a random collection of guys that yeah. have so far they've gotten a big game out of at least yeah. one of them. In all their wins. They and just tell Capella to get 15 yeah. rebounds and not screw anything up. The hot take I'm ready for that I, do, I haven't seen it anywhere yet, and I don't know when we'll see it, but we will see it if this keeps happening. Trey Young being better than Luka Doncic. Oh, because, my God. Because You were in my house last night. With oh your son God. yelling that? He, no, not yelling it. He asked me, if you're starting a team, who do you want? I answered immediately and said, Luka? It's the right answer, but no, I, is okay. It? So here's the thing: if you're asking me who I want to watch, it's, like I'll it's say Trey Young. Young. Oh yeah. But if I'm starting a franchise, and maybe maybe I should have thought it longer, 
I I immediately said Luca. I didn't even think about it. He kind of paused and then he agreed with me, but he said, but like there's a there's like you have to debate this. I didn't even debate it in my mind, but maybe I should. We're like we're seven Hawks wins away from that being a ridiculous thing to say, by the way. That right. Luca's better than well, Trey. Wins it, yeah. It's we're seven wins away yeah. from that being ridiculous.